Welcome to the Narrow Way Podcast with Micah and Royce, where we discuss modern conservative ideas, self-improvement, applied philosophy, faith, technology, and much more. Thank you for joining us today. How are we doing? Wonderful, wonderful, man. How are you? Oh, uh, well, we just got done playing some disc golf today, and we both stunk. Yeah, it was awesome. So that's fun. Yeah. Okay. But uh, sometimes when you go out, you're just trying to have one good shot. And I had one good shot today, it felt like. So was, I, I definitely good. didn't. <laughs> so I, I didn't quite get there. Yeah. But, you know, just chilling with the bros. Yeah. It was always a good time. Yeah, it's good. And an awesome, awesome day for the Northwest, at least. The sun actually peaked its head out today. Yeah, so. it's, it's fake spring. It happens every year yep. around here. You get a couple weeks or like couple weekends or something of nice weather in january february and everybody goes oh it's time to break out the the shorts and the (laughs) the t-shirts and then oh it's snowing again all the locals are like haha those poor saps Uh, (laughs) do not be deceived yes so so we are gonna talk about a i don't know if i'd call it controversial in conservative circles, somewhat, I think. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I I think it's more. I think some people are gonna look at it as like, oh, we've heard enough about this. Mm-hmm. Some people maybe just have no idea whatsoever. Don't have any idea. Don't re- never really got into it. Don't care. Yep. But we'll talk about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. I've been wanting to do this for a while. You've been pushing me off. I've been pushing it <laughs> off because I am one of the aforementioned people that's kind of... Doesn't care as much. Well, I went through the phase, you know, mm-hmm. like I think a lot of people in my generation did uh, of interest and then it kind of fizzled out. Yeah. The interest level mm-hmm. fizzled out. I was not one of the OGs. Yeah. I just We aren't millionaires. We are not millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't currently have any cryptocurrency holdings mm. but it's still interesting the technology is interesting um well, especially it, with ai we went through and talked about yeah. ai and how it could connect with cryptocurrency i think is causing a lot of stir well and ai you know in the zeitgeist ai really is the new cryptocurrency sure like on it's on everybody's mind mm-hmm. like it, it it what ai right now is what bitcoin and cryptocurrency was three years ago Yep, the like peak 2021, yeah. Totally. So, but it's still around, and it's it's. I think it's going to be around. It's kind of so. past the point of no return. I mean, everything, nothing's going to last forever, but it's it's been around, and it's proven itself in enough applications that, like many technologies, it's going to take some, some serious time yeah. before we really see it integrated and perfected and... And it's really bigger than cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot more. Really, the currency application might eventually fade away. Sure. But the technology underlying it. Yeah. Very good chance that that's going to be around for a while. Well, so, yeah. And, and it's such a large sphere because we're talking cryptocurrency. And most people would be like, well, I've only ever heard of Bitcoin. And it's like, yeah. Most that's about where how far they get. I yeah. mean, they usually get some Bitcoin and all right, I'm, I'm a crypto guy now and crypto bro. Yeah. But it, it goes a lot deeper than that. And, you know, and I think that's why it, it it's actually caught some legs and has survived because yeah. originally people are like, it's just a good store of value. 
that's what Bitcoin is, and and that's where it basically stopped. It's the digital gold, so to speak. Yeah, I, I view Bitcoin. I don't know if Bitcoin itself is ever going to get past that. Yeah, it's, it'll be hard because there's so many more advanced and more... Um, how do I, how do I put it? Just faster coins now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what would take you know essentially Bitcoin's network to run, you know, a hundred transactions an hour or something? These other ones are running ten thousand to even more, hundred thousand yeah. transactions per hour. So. And I think you know, depending on where we go with this this topic, it might be worth dedicating an episode if we end up calling this a series of some type, it might be worth dedicating an episode to really dig into the, the monetary side of it Mm -hmm. and kind of how it compares like the whole monetary side of not only cryptocurrency, but the different kinds of cryptocurrencies and the traditional stuff and the dollar and, you know, kind of how all that all ties in together. So people get an understanding of what, what the benefit Yes. Of the cryptocurrency stuff is. Mm -hmm. But you kind of really have to touch on that monetary sphere. Yes. In a whole to really give that contrast. So I don't think we'll go down that road right now. Sure. But. So what is cryptocurrency, I guess, is our first question that you have to answer. Um, Bitcoin uh, was originally created by a man named Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, this was an alias. It, it wasn't a real person that we know of. Many people have come out and claimed to be him, but kind of like Al Gore creating the internet type thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, still don't know. Yeah. And it could have been an organization. It could have been a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, If my memory serves me right, there was around about 2009. Yes. There yeah, was. Yeah, I, was, I was looking at that. I thought I was going to say 210, 2010, but it's January 3rd, 2009. The Bitcoin network was created. Was it posted? What, did he start talking about it on 4chan or was it a different? There was, um, there was a forum that it kind of grew out of. Yeah, on the I, don't, internet. I don't know for sure about that one. And not um, really important, but yeah. he kind of wrote a manifesto. Yes. Yeah, I'm wondering where he released it. Okay. Yeah, so I've got it. Um, so it was... Uh, in January 3rd, 2009, Chancellor on the brink of the second bailout of yeah. for the banks. So that was kind of the motivation for it because there was this huge bailout in the United States where the government gave banks, the main banks, a bunch of money. Um, that was the 2008 financial crisis, which was... Mm-hmm. Came to the culmination in yeah. Yeah, 2009, January. And, and so basically he... It, it was... Uh, the headline of the Times newspaper. So someone sent in something to the Times newspaper explaining what Bitcoin was. Um, and so, so became a new network. And the, and the purpose why, you know, some people might say, well, why didn't you just come out and say it? And um, people have no idea how um, controlled the financial system in the United States is and how government controlled it is like regulations um, are put in place to where the government can always control our money. And look what we can see what they're doing today, that they have all power to print as much as they want to, even to the detriment of their own people. And so uh, 
whoever this Satoshi Nakamoto was, he saw that happening, but he also knew uh, a couple of things. One, if one person did it, then he's blackballed by every other financial institution and his life's basically over because they didn't, I don't even know that he expected it to survive, you know? And so it was just a very dangerous thing to do to go against the established financial system that's in America already. And it has a monopoly. I mean, there's just $1 and that's what governs everything financially in the United States. And so, um, so his, his idea was, well, we need to create something that cannot be um, inflated by a government or artificially inflated. Um, that it's something that will have a specific set supply that um, will also not um, have be so confined to release all the set supply at one time, but instead over time, Bitcoin, more and more Bitcoin is released into the network. Um, and, and that is done through um, various different ways, and we'll get a little bit into that. But uh, that's, that was kind of the, the beginning of, of Bitcoin. Of a, of a hypo-inflationary currency. Yes. Essentially. M- means of... I mean, the whole idea of a currency is, is to provide a means of exchange. Yes. Right? Not necessarily... And we'll we'll get into this the differences between a store of value and a means of exchange. You know, if I want to buy something from you, or you know, we I'm a wheat farmer and you're a a blacksmith, right? We'll go Age of Empires on this thing. Oh yeah. I want to. I have all this wheat. That's great. I can feed myself, but I need shoes for my horses. You know, for the plow horses. I can go to you and say, hey. I have all this wheat. Can I trade you some wheat for horseshoes? And that might work because you might need wheat. But if you don't need wheat and you say, no, I don't need that. Right. And I don't have anything else. So I'm kind of stuck. But if I can exchange my wheat for a universal, something that's universally valued Mm -hmm. and it's easily exchangeable, rocks, coins, paper, whatever, and then I can give that to you, and then you can turn around and take that and exchange it for whatever you want. Whatever you want. Or whatever I need. More tools or, yeah. Yeah. And the Bitcoin specifically is set. The amount of them, the Bitcoins, is set in stone. Mm -hmm. So There's a specific numeric amount. No matter how many people are in the world are using bitcoins more cannot be made yes so that means of exchange is only limited by the the demand there's no supply it's all there is a supply but this fixed supply um varying demand yes and so so what does that mean for somebody that's looking at, say, just Bitcoin? Um, we've seen something like this in the past because uh, gold was, it used to be uh, the, the dollar was backed by gold. Right. And so kind of talk a little bit about that, like what that meant, you know. Well, yeah, and in the United States, 
at a certain point, all United States dollars, um, we'll look at like the from the Federal Reserve 1913 on up to 1932 when it's the easiest time frame because all the dollars were basically printed by the Federal Reserve and they were all backed by, backed meaning they were exchangeable, guaranteed guaranteed exchangeable for that amount of gold in the Federal Reserve Bank. So the Federal Reserve Bank literally had the gold on hand in Fort Knox or in in other places. Uh, And any dollar you had, you could take into a Federal Reserve Bank and receive back that amount of gold, the, the amount of gold that was tied to that dollar. And, and the main purpose behind that, too, was so that in case the dollar became hyperinflationed or inflationary um, and um, that you could always turn your dollars into gold and gold is not going to have that. Well, it's it can't be necessary. I mean, there's no such thing as a complete foolproof system. Sure. It all still has to rely on trust because everyone still has to agree that gold has value. Sure. If the gold has no value, then you, you got to find something else. Yeah. But gold has been universally valued for so many millennium mm-hmm. now. I mean, yeah. Egypt, yeah. ancient Israel, yep. Bible ancient times. China, yeah. Bible t- yeah. pre-Bible times. Yeah. Gold has been valued. So it's such a ingrained, it's so ingrained in the human condition that gold is value. Mm-hmm. And it's so universal around the world. Yes. So by tying your, cur- essentially your dollar is gold. Yeah. But when you receive a paper note, it's saying that, okay, instead of having to carry around all this gold, I'm just going to carry around paper that is good as gold. Yes. That worked great. That's hypoinflationary as well, meaning yes. that it's still, t- it's tied to the gold. Mm-hmm. And I believe they I'm not 100% sure on this. I believe at some point they pegged the gold price. Yeah. Um, but regardless. And then in 1932 or 1933, the government confiscated all gold in the United States. 1932. Yeah. 1932. The government confiscated all gold in the United States uh, that was not jewelry or, you know, it wasn't. It was illegal essentially to own gold currency uh, or bullion. And the United States somewhat switched to a silver-backed mm-hmm. currency, which just the volume, silver is per volume is a lower value material. Still high value as a metal, but it's a lower value material by weight. So they could, they had access to a lot more silver, a lot more, you know, a lot of silver mines. They could produce thousands of ounces of, of silver each year. So they backed it with silver. It was still technically backed by gold as well. Um, we were still on the gold standard after 1932. It's just that citizens could not could now not transfer their dollars directly into gold. Yes. And it was that system. So our money was backed by either silver or gold um, on up into... 1972? 71. 71. Yep. Um, 
I'm going off memory here. No, you're doing good. You're <laughs> 1971, Richard Nixon signed, um, I don't even know if he signed an act. I think he just made a proclamation that, that he basically came out and said, the United States is temporarily mm-hmm. going to uh, rescind the, the gold standard. Mm. We're going to take our money off of, we're going to de- decouple the money from precious metals yeah and it has been that way ever since yep and so since that time the american government has been able to print as many dollars as they want not having to worry about backing it according to anything and and a and a major reason for that because bitcoin dollars anything is only worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it and if Mm -hmm. they have confidence in being able to receive value from whatever they obtain. And so, which goes to back to what we're saying is that it's a means of trading things. All right. So we'll get, we'll get into the, the money thing a little more later. So, but it was originally created by uh, Satoshi Nakamoto to be um, basically when he sees all this money being printed in America out of control, uh, and and not just America, around the world. Yeah, Co- governments have been doing this. I mean, Russia. I remember in the nineties. I mean, they just decided to take off like six zeros off of their money, just saying, "Yeah, we're just going to take these off." And it's just like, well, who can stop them? They they decide the rules in the country, and so all of a sudden, people just have to adhere to whatever the government decides with these financial decisions. And he said, so instead of having something like that. I want to create something that um, ha- is a specific, has a specific supply, a numerical supply that can never be changed and never be different. Also, it had to be something that would work across um, country lines. AKA, it had to be digital yes. and fungible. And that was only. Um, able to happen because of the modern day internet, because the internet had already paved the way yeah. for stuff to be. And you can limit things and governments have done that, but ultimately there's ways around all of that. And so, um, so what it became basically was, and the desire for it was ultimately to become the currency of the internet. Now, before that, some guy named Elon Musk jumped the gun on that and created this thing called PayPal. And he came up with that, and that quickly became that. Uh, but it was around these same periods that all that stuff was becoming popular. And and ba- PayPal and the dollar obviously took the main thing because it was already had so much popularity behind it. And it was what the rest of the world would mainly used f- to purchase things from one another. Well, and to be clear, PayPal was just a, and still is, essentially a service Payment system. It's a payment system. Yep. Yeah. And so this was another thing that Bitcoin was trying to be uh, is is not just a store of value, uh, not just to give the money and the system back to the people, but also to be something that people could do transactions without the permission of some bank or some government or somebody saying, no, we're going to block all of your accounts. You can't do that with Bitcoin. You cannot stop those. Including PayPal. It's the same thing. Uh Anytime you, a a bank, if you have money in a bank, the bank has 
the bank can do whatever they want with it, essentially. Which is why, um, really, I think the gold standard was so important in America because back then people didn't want to give access or power over their finances to a bank because banks went under back then. And I mean, banks go under now. Yeah. And they still do now. (laughs) And when a bank goes under, you know, yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's FDIC insured and stuff like that. Well, what? Okay. It's just, it's a vicious cycle if it all goes down. And so in the beginning, nobody trusts banks and that's why it had to have that backing of the gold. And then the system started to grow and become more secure and people started to have a little more faith and everything. And so then it started growing, but then an 08 happened and then the crash happened and then it looked like our financial system was going to break. And it still kind of looks that way as our national debt just continues to rise and well, oh, well, we've just we've survived year to year with this debt continuing to go up. Well, someday that's going to come to a T, you know, and we're not going to be able to pay it anymore. And, and so what are we going to do at that point? Just default on loans or what? And that could be a day when the dollar starts to go way down and uh, could could stop being the main standard that people use uh, internationally between one another. And that's the right. thing is, is even in the recent interview that Putin had, he said, we used to hold 30% of our country's currency in dollars. And he said, because of the sanctions and everything, he's like, we owe less than 5%. And, and so it's just like, I mean, it's beneficial for the dollar, the more countries that use it. Well, fundamentally the dollar, the, the reason the dollar is valuable is it's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Yes. So it's tied directly to the stability of the system. Yep. Which is really impressive that that became the standard. I mean, how young of a country we are. We've talked about that. Yeah. Like that, and we'll that talk just, about modern monetary theory later on. Yeah. But that's kind of the baseline for the reason for Bitcoin. Yes. That the, the original Bitcoin being the original spawn of the this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, to solve a problem. I mean, that's yes. what it was in, invented for, was to solve this problem or to attempt to solve this problem. Yeah, and and, and like I said, I, I don't know that even the creator knew what would happen to it, but he had himself, I, I think it's 300,000 Bitcoin in his wallet, and that wallet, no Bitcoin has ever come in or out of that wallet since creation. So... 300,000 of the Bitcoin that are out there um, is is secured in that. Now, you've had lots of enthusiasts go up and down about uh, the total amount and things like that. Um, and, I mean, most people at this point have at least heard of Bitcoin. Yeah, you've had to have been living under a rock <laughs> over the past five years. Yeah, and so, so it's... Uh, one of those, uh, you know, subjects that I think is important for people to to see that this could be a direction that the future goes as so, far as. So do you want to give a, like a high level overview of how Bitcoin specifically works? Yes. So it's different from regular financial t- institutions in a couple ways. First and foremost... You have the key uh, to your Bitcoin, the keys. And 
um, and to your wallet. So a wallet means um, it's basically like a, a, a checking account. All right, you can have bitcoins um, and and own the keys to those bitcoins and not essentially have a wallet if you're just keeping those. All right, so a bitcoin doesn't have to necessarily be in the wallet. It's basically code. Okay, so that's how it started out in the beginning. Let's back up just a little bit. Go ahead. So there's a fixed amount of Bitcoin. There will never be more than 21 million. Yes. And Bitcoin is really just a unit. Yes. It's a unit of the system, correct? Yes. And then all of the units or Bitcoins are... the existence of them is public domain. Yes. Correct. So everybody that can, was a major thing that he's, yes. he wanted to make. So everything is public. All now I'm not saying that if you have a wallet now everyone sees Royce, yeah, Royce your, your information your is not your, public. Yeah, your information is not public, but your wallet is on the public blockchain. Part so of that yes. Yeah, so if somebody if you're like, hey, I just sent you you know, 20 Bitcoin, mm-hmm. then he can say, okay, well, what's the wallet? And he can go on there and look on the public ledger and see, okay, yep, it came from, it went from his wallet and there's my wallet there. It's approved and that's it. So, so you know, it's complete. So there is a global chart of account for every Bitcoin. Yes. So all the units, it's all out there in the open to see where they're at, where they've been also. So every transaction on this this book of account yes is recorded and is public permanently. Yes. Yeah, you're right. It's about 22 million. Right now there's about 19,640,000 out there. Yeah. Right. So that being said, if like if you wanted to buy if you wanted to obtain some you would have to have a wallet, which is a digital account mm-hmm. tied to, and there is a a key that essentially unlocks that, just like a regular yep. any old key would. Yep, and that's in the form of uh, a string of characters, mm-hmm. and, and you have that. That's your key to the wa- that account. Yes, and and uh, how they do it now is they'll put like twelve or fifteen, sometimes twenty words. That you mm-hmm. have to remember in a row, yeah, and that's your digital wallet there. Okay. And there's different. We can go deeper in that in another episode about yeah. hard wallets and different things that are not, because because everyone's fear too is as well. If a Bitcoin costs fifty two thousand dollars and I buy one of those, what if someone steals it from me? And yeah. there's a way to take it off of the internet to where no one can get to that, and to where right. it's it's on what they called a a cold wallet. And so it means there's no access to the internet, so they cannot take it from But you. it's still, even at that point, it's still on the chart of yes. accounts. Yes, This is still all public information with everyone's personal information masked, essentially, only yes. you have that access. But so it's like basically a, check, a bunch of checking accounts that are all open to the public Yes, that trade in these units of which there are only ever will be uh, up to 21 22 million of yes which um which can get confusing because a, a bitcoin can split into as many 
percentage points as it needs to. It's so fractional. That, yeah, fractional. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so people are well. What if all the Bitcoin run out, or if, or if twenty two million people just hold one Bitcoin and you know or whatever? No, it's it can Bitcoin can be split into billions of pieces if it needs to. Um, but there will, it still remains, there will never be more than 22 total bit million total Bitcoin out there. And that's the, the chief hypoinflationary element. Yes. Is that fixed supply. Yeah. And that's what attracts it. I think just, I think attracts so many people today is because the dollar's overinflated. I mean, almost every currency in the world right now is, is being overinflated by their yeah. governments. Um, and so there's this, and so the that's the first thing. The second thing is it's never been hacked, all right. And so the way the technology works is there's this thing called crypto mining, okay. And what that essentially means is is people use their computers to um, run the transactions for the Bitcoin network. So when person A wants to transfer it to person B, well, you can't just magically snap your fingers and it works. It it goes through its set of rules and making sure that it gets from that account to this other account. And so when that happens, it's using essentially uh, people's computer power to accomplish that. Um, and so in because of the network is using your personal computer's power, though it rewards you, and so that's why they call it mining. Is because uh, you'll you'll gain a specific amount of of Bitcoin for doing that. Fresh Bitcoin. Yeah, fresh Bitcoin. Yes, and so um, in the beginning, there were people making, you know, hundreds of Bitcoin, you know, a year, you know, or even a month. Because. Uh, that what allows you to earn those fresh Bitcoin is reduced at set intervals. Yes. It gets smaller and smaller and yes. smaller and smaller. And so, and so, you know, in the beginning, Bitcoin was worth, you know, cents, less than a cent, you know, and a fraction of a cent. And so people were using this and they just thought, oh, this is a cool network that we're able to use and it's outside of the dollar. And it kind of was like this novelty thing for nerds at that point. But they were using their personal computers to perform these transactions. And what happens is, is, is there's blocks, a certain amount of blocks, and that's why they call it blockchain technology. But all these blocks are connected one with another. And if one does not agree with the previous one or the one that's after it, then that block is essentially shot out of the uh, chain of blocks and reviewed. And seeing, well, where are the discrepancies? And that's where a hack would usually happen is somebody would go in, they would hack and take something out without permission from the network. And if they did that, then there'd be, oh, hey, this, this, something's wrong with this block. And so it would get shot out and somebody would verify it, correct it, and then they would reestablish the chain. And, and really what makes it, my understanding, what makes it not necessarily hack proof sure. but very resilient system is the fact that it is all public yes so everyone can see what's going on yeah and there's a handshake a digital handshake that is required yep. when the tra when any kind of transaction happens that it's like a double handshake mm -hmm. um 
in that. But there's also the other problem with that, that it's permanent. Yes. The whole, every transaction is permanent. And that's where a lot of people have gotten in trouble because they'll see an ad, hey, free Bitcoin at this site, and they'll click on the ad. And when you click on that ad, it'll have a user agreement. And somewhere in that user agreement will say, you agree to allow this website to drain your wallet at any time. And so if somebody doesn't read that, they just scroll down, hit OK, their wallet's drained. And that handshake happened. And people are like, well, somebody stole my Bitcoin. It's like, well, nobody. You were an idiot. And yeah. you went to the site. And you didn't read the user terms and services. And because of that, you lost all your money. And and so that's why it is a dangerous thing. And that happens with dollars, too, you know, and things like sure. that. Putting your account information online and such as that. And so... So, but there is this uh, security in knowing that it's never been hacked. And, and, um, another thing that they use your personal computer's power for, uh, when crypto mining is to make the algorithm more secure for the network so that it's harder and harder to hack to where it's using the power of however many computers are mining at one time to make a secure enough so to speak, firewall that protects from any kind of hacks. And those are referred to as nodes, correct? Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. Each individual person that has a, they set up this com their computer or whatever the computing power they have, they set it up as a node in the network. Yes. And, and if there is ever any bad activity on those, they're cut off. Like your, yeah. your computer can be banned from the network. But because everything is dispersed through the network yep. it's self-healing in that if a node gets chopped off all the information's still there yep because all the other nodes have the same information and yep. they're all verifying the same thing all at the same time so essentially the more nodes the more secure it gets exactly and that's why but but also the more uh valuable bitcoin the more motivation there is to have those nodes and so now you yep. can imagine as the price has gone up, people want a crypto mine or a Bitcoin mine so that they can get this value that from this imaginary system in many people's eyes uh, and just get money in their pocket for just running their computer. I mean, literally, it's just sitting on the Internet and it plays in the background and it just you wouldn't even know that it's going. Well, at this point, it's become the math that's required by of the computer, the math that is required to receive the Bitcoin that is performed by the computer is so computer compute intensive yeah. that there is a, now a core, a pretty, uh, there's a metric versus how much power that you have to provide yeah. to do the computing versus how much the Bitcoin's worth that you get. Yes. Like that Delta is sometimes can be cost you money. Yes, exactly. Depending on the market. So it's also it's also kind of a risky asset because of this as well, because um, every having event, and what that basically means is, is Nakamoto when he created it, he expected Bitcoin to go up. He expected it to be to be successful, and um, because naturally, if Bitcoin just stayed the same, and all currencies around it get hyperinflated, Bitcoin goes up in value because it's still just staying the same. And so he foresaw and knew that all governments would continue to spend and raise, you know, or lessen the value and raise the amount of their current currencies that are out there to where Bitcoin would eventually become valuable. And, and that's what's happened. 
Well, fundamentally, it, it was able to grow a big enough user base to be valuable. Yes. If you don't have enough people using it, it doesn't yes, matter. Definitely. And that's that's where I think uh, it it came out at the perfect time. Had it come out at any other time, I think it would have just failed. Um, yeah. It was something that I think uh, Satoshi saw the American, especially um, crisis that happened because everybody to that point trusted the dollar. Like America won't just create money out of nothing and bail their banks out like that. That's, that's what, you know, America had an honor system before that. And after that happened and we just, created these you know billions upon billions of dollars to bail at the banks then it became well okay they're doing what all the rest of our us are doing their their currency is just a lot stronger right now and eventually it'll catch up and it's only been able to keep pace because it's used throughout the world exactly so um I, that's kind of an origin of yeah. where bitcoin came from and now from that um a lot of people saw a use case for this, especially using the internet to create. Because because essentially, if you have a system that can't be hacked, you can all of a sudden find so many use cases for something like that. Um, and so that's when basically you saw Litecoin come out, Ethereum come out, a lot of these other cryptocurrencies that have been around for a long time, um, they were kind of a different, different, uh, different side of the coin, so to speak. Uh, Ethereum became basically they're calling it now Web three, so it's the it's like the the next thing from the internet. Okay, and so. So basically what that means is is now people are building um, on the Ethereum network. So The network is the selling point versus yes. the currency. Yes, because there's not a set supply of Ethereum. Ethereum can more can be made yeah. if there's needed um, and can be burned if, if, there, if there's a desire to do that as well. All controlled by a company. All controlled, yes, by a company and a man, Vitalik Buterin. Buterin. Yeah, yeah, Buterin. And so he was, he's kind of the founder of that, of Ethereum. And his desire is for cryptocurrency to become the next great technology, the like AI or, you know, something like that to where we can, the world can get rid of, uh, you know, their own currencies completely. And there can basically be this one world currency system that everybody can be a part of and it's not tied to specific events or specific things that happen in the world, but there's more of a, of a settled uh, system that works for the people and is decentralized. And so that's the main, main thing that he pushes is that it's not controlled by a government. And even he himself doesn't own the majority of Ethereum. It's all out there for people to own. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's kind of the idea behind most cryptocurrencies is for them to not be controlled by one person, you know, or one group of people, um, which, you know, is, is a, is a major thing because you don't want somebody else deciding the fate, you know, of everything. And that's what's 
really going on with most of the currencies around the world is whoever's the president of that country is deciding the fate of that I, currency for the entire world country. I mean, in the case of the United States, it's a little more than one sure. person you have. It still is a function of Congress and definitely. It, yeah. But yeah, it's a small group, small group of yeah. controllers. And if there's no motivation to do what's best for the people, then yeah. they're going to do what's best for themselves most of the time. And so that's, that's the group, the core group of crypto are those people that are like, everything needs to be public. I mean, can you imagine if every dollar that was spent by the U.S. government was trackable and we could see... They how can't even track it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you could see how many millions of dollars went into Hillary Clinton's account, you know, or Bill Clinton, you know, or, or, or Donald Trump's account. Like, like, like you saw where every dollar went. And, okay, this, this much is supposed to be given for this specific purpose. And you could see how many, how much percentage of that went to the actual cause versus the people that are involved. Well, we got to pay this guy, pay this guy, pay this guy. And all of a sudden you see, you would see really how ineffective our currency and our tax dollars are being used for. And so, and so that's was, that was a big um, component of cryptocurrencies that everything's out there. You could see, you know, and, and it became very popular for charities for a while because you could see how much was going to the charity, you know, for uh, when the Ukraine war started, we saw at the beginning a ton of Bitcoin went over to Ukraine, and you saw your the Bitcoin going actually into the Ukrainian government's crypto wallet, and they were using that. Um, and so, yeah, it's just uh, it's a very very interesting the use cases in our time, and and it's still so young. It's still yeah. in its infancy. Very um, young. Yeah, the, the use cases are definitely there. Obviously, like many new technologies, the first use case was, of course, crime. Yes. It was, it st- still is a function that it plays a role, uh, undoubtedly, in which criminal is, activity. Which is really hard because if you have a currency that you're trying to give back to the people, well, if the people are bad people, they're going to use it for a bad reason. And so that risk is always there, you know? Well, because it's it's like water. It's like... It, there's no moral tied to the the thing. It's the people. Yes. That do good or do bad. I can give you a brick that you can build a house with, or you can throw it through somebody's window. Yep. The brick. It's not the brick's fault. Same thing with guns. Same sure. thing with fill in the blank. They're yep. inanimate things. Absolutely. And so that was, but that was a big thing that crypto got a bad name for was yeah. was because it crosses borders. Uh, there was a lot of criminal activity that was being it, it was being used for was because they were trying to get money into specific areas without having to go through a border control and or even between banks and yeah. banks have the ability to shut down criminal exactly. transactions yep. immediately and, sometimes and and it is still the bitcoin even though it's public the the, the the information of who owns a wallet is not yes so there's there's a a veil of anonymity there there is yeah and and you can guess like they've you know there's people that know this stuff so well that they've come out and said where what wallet is Elon Musk's wallet what wallet is you know um, Michael Saylor he's one of the highest you know owning owners of Bitcoin and. Um, his company MicroStrategy bought 
tons of Bitcoin. And, um, you know, who owns what and what wallet is Black Rocks and what wallet is, you know, all these different, you know, major whales. So they, you can watch those. And, and that's what's interesting is you can guess who those are. And, and that was interesting, too, is because some coins came out and they became total privacy coins to where no record whatsoever. And that's where a lot of the criminals moved to were those type of coins. Because with Bitcoin, uh, we've seen the U.S. government confiscate Bitcoin. It's it's doable now. We, we've got a good enough grasp on it to where we can understand. And there have been cases won against, you know, certain organiza organizations that are doing illegal activity and the Bitcoin was seized by the U.S. government. So, so is it then is it really unhackable? Well, the United States government can seize it. That's, that's a really good point because it all comes back down to um, uh, how they seize it. Like if they, the only way they were able to seize it was they had to go in and get those keys from whoever they seized it from. And so that's where the real power is on that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's crazy because they're, they're, you know, just because Bitcoin's never been hacked, Ethereum has been hacked. A lot of these others have been hacked and people lost a lot of money because like I said, whether they clicked on something or whether somebody just hacked their account, you know, because just because you're on an exchange like Coinbase or uh, the different exchanges out there uh, doesn't mean somebody can't log in just like they log into your email and go in there and send all of your money, all of your crypto right to their wallet and they can hold it there instead. And essentially in the future, you know, if, if we move kind of towards that crypto, then it could be like, well, that's fine. I'll call the cops. Boom. They trace it back and you get your money back and it's reversed or that person goes to prison, you know, and then that's the way it's going to be, but probably eventually, but then it goes back to, well, then if it's enforced that way, then is it really decentralized? And, and so there's always this balancing act there of, well, do you really want freedom with your currency? If so, there's a great amount of risk there. And it sounds a lot better sometimes than it really is because we don't realize how much the regulations also protect us, you know, especially yeah. the ones that aren't as savvy with <laughs> technology. Well, and even some of the private companies. Like, I, I mean, I have a Visa card. Yep. And if someone steals my Visa card and makes a bunch of purchases, it's happened to me. It's happened yep. to a lot of people. I call Visa and say, I, I didn't make these. Yeah. And they say, okay. Well, then you don't owe them. Yep. And they just give the and money back to you. they give the money back to you. Yep. And I'm none, now if, if I was paying with Bitcoin and yep. say somebody stole my my keys yep. to the Bitcoin, I am out of luck. Yes. It's 100%. Gone. It's yep. gone. Yeah, because there's like people look at it, you know, because the people that are in Bitcoin look at it as, well, somebody has power over your money. And it's like, well... Somebody has custody of my money is more what it's like. So yeah, what that basically means is, is, yes, they can use that for their own purposes to lend out, but they also protect it from people that would come in and steal it from me. And so the reason that I don't have to keep all my cash under my mattress and worry about a thief coming in and robbing me, that's the benefit of that. Whereas with Bitcoin, there's not really that. Uh, protection, except for it's digital and the thief has to really understand what it is in order to take it from you. Well, and that's in keeping with Bitcoin, essentially what we've seen. There was there was a hope, especially by the early adopters, yep. that it would be used as a 
medium of exchange. Yes. That it would be used as a currency. New, new network. And it's, yeah, and crypto is, but I don't think Bitcoin will ever be by itself. And, and I mean, crypto is in places. Sure. Well, it, and that's what I mean is is when, like, like Russia, it's yeah. sanctioned um, because of the situation between Ukraine and Russia right now. And so SWIFT, which is the modern banking system. For international. Yeah, for international yes. banks, shut them down. And so all of a sudden, Russia can no longer exchange with any countries. Um, and their people couldn't send money. Like some people were sending money to Russia to support their family. It's cut off. And those people are now out of luck. They have no money coming in there. And crypto, you are still able to do that. And so yeah. essentially it said, even though America said, hey, we're against Russia and you can't do any business with Russia anymore. Well, here's this young man's like, well, I'm still going to send money to my grandma. And so I don't have to agree with you, America, that you're going to sanction all of Russia and that means you're going to hurt my grandma. So I'm going to still send my money to my grandma through crypto. And it goes across those lines. And so basically saying American can America can say, no, you can't do this. But ultimately, the choice is in the person's hands. It's not like there's no other way there now. Do you think America has the firepower that if it wanted to, it could shut down the Bitcoin system or any other? Because it is still all through the Internet. Could uh, Do you think America has the capability to inhibit those transactions? No, and I think that's why it's so scared of crypto and it's taken so long for America to adopt it. Because... When you're on top, why would you want to support the thing that could dethrone you? Like, think about it. The dollar is on top. Everybody uses the dollar as a means for exchange. I so mean, let's be clear. It's on top by a gigantic margin. Oh, yeah. It's not it's even like close. It's like not yeah. even... It's, yeah. it's the concepts there, but not even close to touching it. Well, yet. well and, and I would even say this. The only reason cryptos made it this far is because people are so confident it's never going to catch up to the dollar because if people knew that they would flip out. Well, and we still value it in terms of the dollar. Yep. I yeah. mean, really the dollar being the baseline for our society, we still look at the value of Bitcoin as in dollars. Sure. Like, because yep. that's when your frame of reference of value for everything in your life is in dollars. I mean, even though you can look at it as a store of value, it's still in dollars. Yeah. Same with gold, same sure. with anything. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and and I think I would say that's true for most people. For the ma the Bitcoin maxis is what they call them. It's not true. They they look at how many Bitcoin they have. They don't look at how many dollars they have. But even but, then, yeah. the Bitcoin, you can have a certain amount of Bitcoin and the value of it still all depended on the demand by every other user of Bitcoin. That's yeah. why Bitcoin wasn't worth anything in the beginning, and it is now. It's hard to explain how they think, yeah. but how they think is, is this is the future, mm -hmm. and nobody can, nobody can increase the amount that my Bitcoin has. Supply so, lock. Yeah, and so that's what they're seeing it as. I'm never going to sell this, and this sure. is just so valuable to me, and you can't put a numeric amount on it. You can't put a dollar amount on it. You know, it's saying yeah, I totally kind of, understand. Yeah, that's how. But I'm talking in terms of real value. Yeah, for a public, yeah. Irregardless of the dollar value you want to place on it, in terms of real value, that real value is only because the supply is locked. The real value can only be created by the demand. Yes. So if there's 
only a small group of people using these 20 plus million bitcoins, the value store is extremely low. Yeah. The value only comes from the rise in demand. Sure. AKA the adaptation by more millions. Yeah. Or billions of people, yeah, even. So the value still is relative to that metric. It is, and and since even internationally, oil is valued in dollars. Yes. Real estate, most real estate's valued in dollars. Anything that that truly has a lot of value, even in foreign countries, uh, even though they do put their currency to it. Uh, so like in Russia, you would buy a, an apartment and it's like, 15 million rubles or something like that. You know, that's what people would, the value they put on there. Um, still, there's this, uh, there's this, this way that they make sure that it's a specific amount of dollars too. Like that, the dollar is always behind the curtain in every one of these major purchases. And so, especially international. Yeah, especially internationally. And so, there's a um, few other players to be clear. There's the yen, there's sure, the euro, yeah. there's a couple others that yeah. are used as an international exchange of value, but dollars the king. Yeah. And so so it's that's naturally what people and, and and to be fair to cryptocurrency was even though the name Satoshi Nakamoto, it still was adopted at least in America. I mean, and the network was originally created and yeah. and basically America owns most of the cryptocurrency out there and and now it's there we're seeing a lot more come in, but it's still the majority, especially now. But yeah. So back to the original thought of that. So that's kind of the purpose behind why Bitcoin was created and uh how people use it. Um, now, again, I don't even think people can understand or fathom how quickly the value of Bitcoin rose um, once it took off. Uh, and it became a very volatile asset uh, because um, when you have a specific set supply, but demand uh, becomes major and people want it, um, then all of a sudden price just goes to astronomical rates. And so that's how these people that originally had mined and were receiving hundreds, you know, of Bitcoin and things like that at that time when they were mining in the beginning. And and again, the more miners that are out there, the less the network pays people. All right. And so the having event is what we originally, I think, had kind of gotten off of. But every four years, uh, Bitcoin cuts its reward system or its value that it gives back to the miners in half and so it's called the having and when that happens usually that sp- sparks this huge rise uh in, in demand. perceived value exactly in perceived value for this and so uh, because now it's even harder to get bitcoin you know and so there's this idea and almost this panic like we're going to run out of bitcoin and so people flock and buy bitcoin and so what happens is, is is then all of a sudden the price goes up. And and this has consistently happened since 2000 or since its inception in 09. And so every 4 years and that's what they would say is the spark or the the beginning of the bull, next bull run. And the bull run basically happens for about a year to 2 years and then some random spot 
you'll see Bitcoin go from uh, its high and it'll drop down about 80%. And all of a sudden, because here's the truth about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as well. Someone's left holding the bag. And that's where most people have been burned by cryptocurrency. And they just, because I mean, who, if you put a thousand bucks into something and you're walking away with 200, who's going to want to put more money into the something like that? Unless you're at the roulette table. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, so here's this, you know, but there, but the popularity has grown because for every person that lost a ton of money, well, those aren't the stories that go viral. The stories that go viral are the ones I put a hundred dollars in Bitcoin and now I have a hundred thousand dollars and then people desire and flock to cryptocurrency or Bitcoin at that point. Well, they see it as a way to make money. And I, yep. this is the, the crux of the, of the, the dichotomy that I see in yes. Bitcoin, Bitcoin specifically yep. because it's hypoinflationary because all the things we've been talking about. What's really happened is Bitcoin has Bitcoin has primarily become a speculative asset. Yeah. Instead of a currency. It is, I mean, it can function as a currency still. All the, the yeah. guts of it are still functionable, but because of the popularity and the the supply lock people have come in and rode those waves of demand yep and and made money as a speculative asset hence the big drop offs is because like any other speculative asset people sell it people sell it and yep. when you sell it the value goes down yep when people buy the value goes up cuz yep. people want more of it and mm-hmm. i mean just like anything else yes anything else that you're buying and you're trying to make money on or make increase value based upon um, speculation. Yeah. Sp- you know, speculation. You're buying something, hoping that you can sell it later for more money. Mm-hmm. And that's where you say someone's left holding the bag. Yep. Every time. Yep. So the fact that it's being treated like that, and that's primarily what it's being treated as now is what leads me to extrapolate that it's probably never going to take on as a currency. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because um, the current state of crypto right now is it's a new asset class. I mean, as much as I've been in and studied and, and thought about and read about and, and learned People say, well, the future is this, 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 this project and this project and blah, 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 blah. Culminate it all together. It is just a new, ass- it's a new asset class like the stock market was. It's like getting into the stock market way early on. And this is, this right here is the reason I don't personally own any. Yeah. Anymore. Is because if I look at it as an asset, when you get down to it, it's an asset that's only backed by people. Yes. People's demand for it. And it does not serve any purpose. It does not serve any, does not, there's no real manifestation in the physical world of it. 
it cannot, it's not tied to anything like a stock. Like I buy a stock in a company, a company is, I, I buy a piece of ownership in a company. When I buy its stock, a company is a group of people and assets and management and everything that's into a company. Their mission is to create value by providing a product, by providing a service, by uh, extracting uh, real things from the earth, like mining. Like I buy a piece of a company, I'm buying something physical. Obviously, I'm removed from it because sure. it's a publicly traded company, generally speaking, but I'm buying ownership in something physical or at least in a group of people that have a common goal. When I buy Bitcoin and I buy it as a stock, essentially, I buy it as a speculative asset, I'm only buying the demand Yes. The faith in the demand of other users of that, if I'm treating it as a store of value. Yeah. And, and this is where you and I disagree a little bit yeah. on this. And it's, you know, this is a good example of two bros can disagree on something and Absolutely. still be bros, you know. And because uh, to me, in our day and time, I don't see a difference. I don't see because of how removed people are who own stock now, unless you own a ton of stock of a company. We're talking billions. They don't care about you. Like there's no concern for you or anything like that. It's all the big wigs that hold it that are on the board and things like that. And, and so essentially it's up to whatever this company decides to do. And so it's in their hands, whatever they're going to do anyway. Same is with crypto is that, the good crypto, I should say. <laughs> let's, let's be clear here. We'll say the top 100 crypto. We'll talk about that. The top 100 crypto, there are people, there are websites that show this is the team, this is who we are, this is our goal and our vision for this currency that, we're ha that we have, and this is what we're trying to do. We'd love your support. And in owning their coin, you're essentially a stockholder in the same way that it works with stock. And so, yes, it's different because it's way more high risk with crypto for sure. And because well, it's, it's not legally tied to the company exactly. the same way stock True. ownership yes. is. And, and we have seen that with some cryptocurrency. When the cryptocurrency goes under, people just lose their money. It's not like there's lawsuits that they get their money back. No. And in stock, there is that option is that they, if they didn't adhere to the regulatory guidelines and they did, then there has to be some kind of repercussion for That's that. That's a really deep, dark hole to go, yeah, go down. We're not, go, I mean, we're not <laughs> smart enough to know uh, all that stuff. Well, I mean, you get into fiduciary responsibility and yes. shareholder. It's not really a law, but it kind of is. Yes. It's, it's, whole weird deal but and so that's why i say that that crypto has just become a new asset class for uh people that are willing to be high risk it used to be that stock was high risk you know everybody stuck with bonds because bonds were backed by the government and the dollar and all this stuff and then all of a sudden well now stocks came out and now stocks have become essentially a safe thing to do now you could lose money there still and people have and lost their entire retirement and those things. But there's also way more opportunity for gain in stocks because like you said, it's tied to a company which makes people want to buy that stock, which makes 
the demand go up, which makes the stock go up. And so, yeah, and when people also too think of stocks solely in the publicly traded sense, which would make sense because we're talking about Bitcoin or something, that's really the comparison. Yes, but stock is more than just the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, um, a private corporation can have stock. Yes, and it can only be owned by certain people. Yep. Like if I, have a, if I have an S corporation, yeah. uh, an S corporation can have up to a hundred shareholders uh, and they are issued stock yep. in that company. It's not publicly traded. Nobody, nobody can just come in and buy it. It cuts down a lot on the regulation of course, uh, but it's still stock. So if I buy that stock, I'm buying the same type of value in the company mm-hmm. or a percentage of ownership in the company as I would on the, the NYSE. But I'm, I have a lot more weight, I guess you could say. Yes. As a small time or a small well, volume. Well, you've been chosen to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, that's where the dichotomy for me is, is I yeah. see when I look at stocks versus Bitcoin or something like that, Bitcoin's 100% f- faith in my mind. Yeah. And I would totally agree that a lot of times stocks are 100% fake sure. too because yeah. generally you don't do anything that moves the needle yeah. unless you are active in the business yeah. uh, you know, or you own your own business. But there is still somewhere a real-world manifestation of your ownership. Yeah, and I think with all the money that's being printed, um, the stock exchange became too boring for some people. Like that sure. it took so much money to move that needle that they're like, well, look at this crypto thing. It's crazy. But if we put a million dollars into this crypto, that's at one cent, we can bring it up to 10 cents. And then all of a sudden these people buy it with 10 cent, you know, when it's at 10 cent, then we can sell what we bought at one cent for 10 cents, take all of their money and leave them holding the crypto. And there has been a whole lot of more, a whole lot more manipulation like that in crypto. But if you're the guy that was like, "Hey, I like this this crypto," and you bought it at half of a cent, 